Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. On today's episode, we'll discuss the use of neurotoxins in facial rejuvenation. So let's get started. When we discuss neurotoxins used in facial rejuvenation, we're typically referring to botulinum toxin. Although there are seven serotypes of botulinum toxin, the only serotype currently approved by the FDA for facial rejuvenation is type A. There are several formulations of serotype A that are approved for use at this time, and we typically refer to these by their trade names. In the United States, these products include Botox, Xeomin, Dysport, and most recently Juvo. These botulinum toxin products act by weakening muscles that cause rhytids, commonly referred to as wrinkles. This effect on the muscle is achieved by inhibiting the presynaptic release of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. Clinically, the effects of this toxin are reversible, with average duration of treatment effect reported between 3 and 4 months. We'll talk next about the evaluation and management of a facial rejuvenation patient who seeks neurotoxin injections. In addition to taking a general medical history, it's important to ask specifically about any history of neuromuscular disorders such as myasthenia gravis, ALS, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, as these are contraindications to botulinum toxin injections. Similarly, patients that are pregnant or have allergies to either the toxin or components of the preparation should not be considered candidates for treatment. It's also important to take a thorough medication history as certain medications, such as aminoglycosides, can potentiate the effects of botulinum toxin. In your discussion with the patient, you should specifically determine what areas of the face are concerning to the patient. It's important to explain to your patient that botulinum toxin is effective in treating dynamic rhytids, or those that are produced with facial animation, as opposed to static rhytids that are present at rest. On physical exam, you should evaluate the presence of both static and dynamic rhytids, which can be achieved by examining the face both in animation and at rest. For patients seeking treatment in the upper face, it's also important to evaluate for any existing brow or eyelid ptosis, as these can be exacerbated or unmasked with neurotoxin treatment. In regards to which muscles can be treated, there are a multitude of targets for treatment with botulinum toxin in the face, and we'll review some of the most common here. In the upper face, common targets include the frontalis muscle for the forehead, the procerus and corrugators for the glabella, and the orbicularis oculi for lines in the lateral canthal region, commonly referred to as crow's feet. In the mid-face, the nasalis muscle may be targeted to address the radix. In the lower face, the orbicularis oris muscle may be treated for perioral lines, the depressor anguli oris muscles may be treated to address the oral commissures, and the mentalis muscle may be treated to address chin dimpling, referred to as mentalis strain. Postoperative care may include the temporary application of ice to minimize bruising and swelling, and many surgeons recommend avoiding strenuous activity for a day or so following injection. In regards to complications, the most common complication of botulinum toxin injection is asymmetry resulting from under or over treatment or the unwanted spread of the toxin. In addition to asymmetry, unwanted spread in the upper face may also result in ptosis of the brow or lid, and in the lower face may result in perioral motor insufficiency or dysphagia. While these complications are fortunately temporary, 
Patients must unfortunately wait several months for the effects of the toxin to wear off. For those patients experiencing eyelid ptosis secondary to botulinum toxin, treatment with alpha-adrenergic agonist ophthalmic drops, such as apraclonidine, can help stimulate Mueller's muscle and partially alleviate some degree of the ptosis. Additional possible complications are related to the injection and include bruising, swelling, and infection. And that ends our discussion on neurotoxins for facial rejuvenation. I hope everyone's continuing to enjoy the podcast. Feel free to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can find my entire audio library, along with other great online resources, at theplasticsfella.com. For questions, suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, you can reach me at jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.